Welcome to episode 255 of the Energy Talks podcast. I'm energy and climate journalist Markham Hislop. On Wednesday, the Alberta Energy Regulator released its 2022 Liability Management Performance Report. This is about how many wells and other kinds of conventional oil and gas facilities are in Alberta and how much, how many of them are not reclaimed and what it's going to cost to, to clean them up. And it's a huge number. We'll get into that in just a bit. But here's what AER CEO uh, Lori Pusher said about the report. Quote, the results of this report are a robust and clear indication that the industry is improving in the cleanup of oil and gas wells, pipelines, and facilities. While this report is showing significant improvement, continued focus and effort is required to ensure the sustained downward trend in reducing inactive well count in the future. I'm going to call BS on this, and we'll explain why in a minute, because in this episode, I'll be talking to Drew Uchuk, public interest lawyer with the University of Calgary, a keen observer of the Alberta Energy Regulator, and a frequent source of mine for AER stories. So welcome to the interview, Drew. Thanks for having me. Now, we're going to be talking about two separate things, actually, that are related, but separate. One is this report that the AER released a couple of days ago. And the other is a 2018 document that you obtained under a freedom of information request. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. I'm also going to mention a, a bulletin from November 2023, but it, it relates into the 2018 information. I have no doubt that there is no shortage of documents and bulletins that we could dredge up, uh, as we know. And I, we should point out, um, for listeners who may not be aware, uh, oh, six months ago, seven months ago, Energy Media published the Unethical Oil uh, Investigative Series, Part 2, which is all about this issue. And it goes into great depth and provides background. And uh, a lot of the information came from Drew from documents that he has foiped in the past and provided comment on. So if, if you want some background, a very thorough background, you can find that on our uh, website, Energy Media website, and look up in the nav bar and you'll see unethical oil. Click on that and you'll see part one, part two, and I'm working on part three. Okay. This, give us an overview of what the AER said in the report and, uh, and your take on it. The report contains a bunch of information that had been released through FOIs before or was already accessible on the website somewhere else. So they compiled that information together and, and released it as their first liability management report. Uh, okay, that's so, that's gotcha. pretty much it. It says how much was spent and it tries to give an update on the amount of liability in the province and the state of the oil and gas assets in the conventional field. I'm going to go back to some uh, well numbers because th this is important uh, context for listeners. And I've got very conveniently the, the data section of the AER website was down today. So I had to go back. I had to use some uh, data from uh, March of last year, but it really hasn't changed that much. So we're in the ballpark for all of these numbers. 
according, there's about 465,000, 466,000 uh, total wells in Alberta. Now, a number of those probably in the neighborhood of 133,000, 134,000 are already uh, sealed, reclaimed, or reclaim exempt. So they're out of the picture. We're not talking about them at all. Then there's another 155,000, 156,000, we'll call it, who that are still producing. So now that's, you know, 200, what, 260, 270,000, something like that. Here are the problem wells. Abandoned, and that means they're sealed, uh, but the site has not been reclaimed yet. That's uh, 91,000. And then inactive and suspended, which is 82,635. So we're talking about uh, as of March of last year, 173,646 wells that need to be cleaned up, 59,000 facilities, and 440,000 kilometers of pipeline that need to be abandoned at some point and, and dealt with properly. Yeah. I put the number in unethical oil at the cost of those environmental liabilities at 130 billion. And I and we don't have to revisit why where that came from, I guess, uh, though you can if you want. Uh, okay, so there's kind of the context for this, Drew. Uh, what did the report tell us about those liabilities? Uh, one thing that is new, or not necessarily new, everything has been hinted at or leaked somewhere before, but that is nicely shown is the number of marginal wells. Uh, and I think those are producing less than 10 barrels a day, unless they've changed their definition. Bizarrely, the report doesn't define marginal, even though it shows them. <laughs> so 22% uh, of the wells in the province are marginal, compared to 11% that are active and producing above the marginal line. So two-thirds of the active wells in the province are problem wells. They're not producing at a rate that is good, and they're likely to go inactive soon. Uh, it's nice to have the AER make that public because they usually don't. That's not shown on the data hub. Right. In the past, there was an estimate that the marginal wells were about 60% of active wells. So I've used the number of 95,000. Uh, and it sounds like it's not far off. It might be off by five or 10,000, but those are wells that are going to be problem wells very, very soon. So let's, if we said 140,000, uh, now we're, uh, now we're up well over 300,000 wells that are going to require some kind of cleanup at, at some point here. And, and never mind the other active wells, which will be, which will, you know, become economic, uh, and have to be cleaned up at some point. But, and that's that's, that's one thing that's not in the report that the AER is tracking, because as part of their new liability management system, they're tracking what I believe they're calling crossover, the rate at which wells are going inactive. They're running out of reserves and they no longer are active. So they're trying to figure out which companies have so many assets. Report doesn't have anything about that. Uh, it'd be nice if we had some information on crossover rates. Here's another thing we, it'd be nice if we had information because the gov the AER provided this in a, in a 2019 document it called the liability narrative and, and it was foiped by um, uh, by the narwhal and it's chock full of charts and and really fascinating information but here's the one that really sticks in my mind because here they are you know the AER is bragging about what the industry has spent 
and how much cleanup activity. But we know from that data that's current right up to 2019 out of that document that they only spend, uh, they spend their money uh, cleaning up the easy wells. So there's three categories of wells here. Uh, the first one would be a dry hole. So it's never seen any hydrocarbons in it. I mean, that's the, the cheapest uh, well to uh, to, re to reclaim. Then there's gas wells, which you don't have any leaks with gas. And so it, it's not much more difficult to clean those up than it is uh, a dry hole. And then you have oil wells, which leak all the time and can, there can be significant contamination. So what the industry does... In, in order to get the best bang for its its reclamation dollars is it puts like 80, 90% uh, of its money into cleaning up the dry holes and the gas wells and not the dirty the dirty oil wells. And so they, they sit and sit and sit and we have no idea how many are, are, are like that. We don't have any idea of the degree of contamination and the amount of uh, seriousness, uh, uh, the amount of money that's going to have to be paid uh, to reclaim those ones, because they're that very expensive. They can be a hundred thousand, they can be a million dollars. I mean, they're all, that's a lot of money. And uh, have I got that right, Drew, or have I missed it, something? You've got that right. Um, and I'll, I'll expand on that and I'll tie together the, the 130 billion figure comes from a, a famous Wadsworth estimate of the liability from 2018. The document I have on the common liability assessment, uh, common liability closure liability assessment model, I think. They, they, they weirdly kept the acronym, but changed the name at one point. Um, and the liability narrative document from 2019 that the narwhal got uh, and also the the information that the Alberta Liabilities Disclosure Project was using right. around 2018 and 2019 are all rooted in the same project within the Alberta Energy Regulator. They, after uh, Redwater gets going, a huge piece of litigation that causes problems for the regulator, they start worrying about how off their estimate is of liability, which is produced under something called Directive 11. Directive 11, the updated licensee parameters and liability estimates. It was last updated in 2015, but it, it's not current to 2015. It was up. It was using numbers from 2012. So in 2018, the AER starts collecting actual closure spending amounts on pieces of oil and gas infrastructure. And they keep doing this from then to, from what I know, present day. They just never stop. And they are trying to build a better estimate. And in 2018, the estimate they have frightens them. That's the internal Wadsworth one that they do not like. And so they say, well, we're not going to implement this yet. And there's a quote on one of the slides, which is rather incredible. Area-based closure leadership committee decided to delay public implementation of uh, the closure liability assessment model after year one due to implications of recognized higher liabilities from investors and public. And in brackets, too much change too soon. So here we are in 2024. <laughs> so far, we have seen no change, never. And that's the part that is making this ridiculous. That since 2018, the AER has had this internal program gathering new data, trying to figure out how much higher liabilities are than their initial estimate, 
their documents show that they know very clearly why they made these errors. As you said, they were lumping in dry holes without knowing it. Uh, they were just skipping pipelines entirely. I think they were skipping borrow pits. They were underestimating the cost of reclaiming almost everything. But those numbers are still haven't been updated. So we're using these error riddled estimates from 2012 to generate the numbers. And so some of the dollar figures in the report released last week, this week, at least this week, are still using those numbers. So you can't take those dollar figures seriously when it says 33 billion. No, that's that's a joke. You should not consider that. Even more aggravating is that some of the other dollar figures are real. The 1.2 billion spent on closure is actual money that got spent. So you have to remember which ones are the fake deemed liabilities and which ones are actual dollar values. But let's talk about that 1.2 billion because that is uh, an anomaly. In 2019, it was 343 million. In 2020, it was 434 million. In 2020, 20, excuse me. In 2021, it was 684 million. Then it, it goes to 1.2 billion. But that money is in part uh, the $1 billion, it's part of the $1 billion that the federal government granted to Alberta as part of the COVID-19 recovery program to create jobs and, and that, well, we may as well clean up some, some liabilities while we're at it. So this is not actually industry spending money. This is the federal, federal this is taxpayers' dollars. And the AER doesn't point that out. The, well, it's, the AER mentions that, but they call it always the uh, the Alberta Site Rehabilitation Program. But that was just the program distributing the money. That makes it sound like it was Alberta provincial money. It was federal money being distributed by the Alberta government. Uh, and that money is dispersed from 2020, uh, most of it in 2022, a little in 2023. And I think there might be a little bit of tail end in 2024, but the billion is basically gone. It has been spent. And so a lot of this spending and the reduction in inactive wells is federal taxpayer money. Well, let's talk about the Orphan Well Association because uh, they have uh, some of their, the bulk of their money comes from an industry levy, but they have been lent money over the years by the Alberta government and the federal government, hundreds of billions of dollars, millions of dollars, sorry. And tell us about that. So I don't think the bulk of their money comes from industry. The loans they have taken from the provincial and federal governments mean at this point that I think they run almost 50-50 on loans from governments and industry, but I haven't checked the, the most oh, okay. recent update. Well, it, it was off. Uh, it was they're, off they're slowly paying those loans back. But I know that Martin Olshinsky gets very angry when he hears someone say the industry-funded Orphan Well Association because... In theory, it's industry funded. It's government loan funded. Um, but that's the OWA. They're active. Their spending from uh, their spending hit its high water market 2022. They spent 185 for 2023. They're expected to have spent 135. And then after that, they'll be spending about 112 because they're repaying those loans going forwards. So unless the orphan levy goes up again, and the AER has not indicated that they plan to do that, we're going to see less OWA spending 
going forwards. And the 700 million mandatory spend is going to stay at 700 million. It was supposed to go up and the AER canceled at that. And the federal loan money is gone. So 2022 will have been the best year, is absolutely the best year compared to any previous year for spending on this problem. And it might be the high watermark ever because it's not planned to go up again. Let's uh, let's give the this government, um, the UCP government of Danielle Smith, some credit. Uh, it brought in in 2020 a new liability management uh, framework, and part of that in, in, in was implemented in 2022 was an inventory reduction program that included mandatory spending, and that's never been done before. And so the uh, it was uh, oh 422 million in the first year, uh, if I remember correctly. And next year is uh, this, sorry, uh, last year was 700 million. Uh, it, this year is going to be 700 million. And the idea was that it would escalate uh, up to uh, $997 million a year by you know 2028 or 2029, something like that. 9% uh, increases year over year was planned and that was canceled last year. Exactly. Okay. So on the one hand, the government did something good. I mean, they did something no other government has done. Uh, even the NDP government of, of Rachel Notley, uh, they got government, or they got industry to spend more money on, on well uh, cleanup. And the, um, the inactive suspended wells number went way down. I mean, it, it peaked in 2020 at 97,000 wells. And as you and I have discussed on a couple of podcasts, it got that high because 20 years of basically of AER mismanagement, regulator, complete and utter disastrous mismanagement. Okay, so they they take it from 97,000 down to 82,000-ish uh, today and a reduction of 15,000 wells. What they don't tell us is how many of those wells went back on into production when prices rose in 2021, 2022, because there is no way that the industry uh, reclaimed or worked on or see uh, 15,000 wells. Uh, so it's, you said today, but the 82 or 81,000, I think is at the end of uh, 2022. Today in January, 2024, uh, or at the end of 2023, it was down to about 79,000. But that's inactive. Most of those are uh, being decommissioned or what's called abandoned, but they're not reclaimed yet. So the pipeline is out of the ground. The reclamation work has not been done. So the number of abandoned but unreclaimed wells is going up because abandonments are happening. Um, and the report... Yeah, it doesn't give any hint about how many were reactivated. I don't know. I've I've seen mixed things on that. I have not been able to get a clear number. What what I guess my point that I'm getting at here is that that uh, the AER and and pusher spin spin. There's they're a spin machine, and you've complained many times uh, before about the lack of transparency at the AER. It is an opaque agency. It's hard to get. Uh, data out of, hard to get comment out of, 
they they just don't feel that it's in there. They talk about being transparent and they act exactly the opposite. And and when they do finally publish some data, they spin it uh, so that if you don't like Drew, if they don't have the kind of background that you do, you know, you would look at that and go, "Wow, the industry's doing a great job," right? Uh, yes. And I, I mean, I want to criticize them. I also want to say that at least it's nice that they put something out. I wish that it didn't have the bogus directive 11 numbers in it. Um, because I said, I was going to talk about the bulletin from November bulletin 2023-41 talked about the ongoing implementation of the liability management because they said they were putting that in, in 2020. They're still gradually, they're not even just slowly implementing. They're still deciding what it is because they received only a very generic instruction in 2020 and they're kind of making it up as they go. Uh, part of that is replacing Directive 11. They should have done that before they made this report. It's silly to have this report use these numbers that they know are not accurate. Um, and in addition to the, the problem using the Directive 11, the Biggest problem for me is that it has no forecasted amounts and no targets for how much inactive liability is going to be going down or numbers of abandoned and reclaimed wells. And that is something the Auditor General pretty clearly asked for and said should be part of this reporting. Uh, so I don't know. Hopefully they're planning to release something like that later this year, but I doubt it. This That should have been one report. Where are we now and where are we going? Okay, so some listeners, as particularly those who uh, are not Canadian or not familiar with Alberta, are probably going, well, okay, so what? Well, let me explain so what. So the when this becomes a, whether or not these in, uh, environmental liabilities become a huge problem for Alberta depends on one thing, in my opinion, and that is whether we have a fast energy transition or a slow energy transition. So the slow energy transition analysis model, forecasting, whatever you want to call it, comes from OPEC. And this is the one that industry buys into. This is the one that Premier Danielle Smith explicitly buys into and promotes all the time. And it says that basically oil demand is going to grow uh, significantly between now and 2045, and then it's going to plateau for quite a while, and then it'll slowly, slowly decline over over time. In other words, the industry has got decades to deal with this problem, and this is a you know the industry has been doing this for a hundred years, and they've put delay, delay, delay. They have put off their their uh, environmental liabilities as long as they possibly could. This is an industry that purposely evades their financial responsibilities for their for their liabilities. Okay, that's the OPEC model. The IEA has a fast energy transition model and they're announced uh, their APS scenario. You can you can check it out in the World uh, Energy Outlook 2023 calls for peak oil demand in 2030 and a really fast decline throughout the 2030s and 2040s. In that scenario, the conventional oil and uh, oil production in particular in Western Canada, in Alberta, is in big trouble. The Western sedimentary basin has is is old. Uh, it's high cost. It's got all kinds of problems. This is not really competitive oil in the way that you know maybe the Permian Basin in Texas is, or the the Norwegian fields or the or the Middle Eastern fields like the Saudis. 
uh, they can compete for, you know, five, 10, $15 a barrel uh, production costs. Alberta can't, not their conventional production, which is what we're talking about here, cannot. So there is a very good chance that all of these liabilities that are mounting and the AER is fudging and the industry is fudging and the link, they get caught with them and they will not be able to pay for them because they'll be bankrupt. There'll be companies in trouble. We've seen this already. I mean, so that's why the part, partly why the inactive well count is so high. So this is an albatross around Alberta's neck. Is that a fair summation, Drew? Yeah. Yeah, that that is the point here. I think you said liabilities are rising. I'm not totally sure that they are. After the 2022 amount of spending and the huge injection of federal cash, they might be stabilizing soon or within the next four or five years. But I'm not totally sure because of that Directive 11 problem. Uh, and actually, now that I've said that, I do remember seeing mostly grayed out FOI documents that on the 9% increase, they thought that they would level off liabilities in 2027. So with that canceled, 2030 or something is when I would think they're supposed to level off. Okay. Uh, my mistake, I I didn't realize I had said rising uh, liabilities because I, I don't believe and that. Now that I've thought about it, you're you're right. I guess they're still rising until 2029, 2030. <laughs> okay. Why I was right, we'll, we'll leave that for another conversation. But that communicating the magnitude of the problem to the public, to the taxpayers who are going to get stuck with this, in my opinion, I think it's criminal that the AER continues to be opaque, continues to spin, the industry spins, nobody's being honest, not, not from the premier on down, nobody's being honest with Albertans about how serious this problem is. Yeah, yeah, I think there's, and the Auditor General had it in there in one good line, the AER has an industry-wide closure liability estimate, but does not regularly update it or communicate it to Albertans. And that that, that secret internal number which people have been using FOI to gradually pull these documents out from 2018 and 2019 is the most embarrassing and bizarre aspect of this. That's what I'd really like to see end in 2024. I want the AER to replace Directive 11 and provide a good explanation for how they created what replaces Directive 11 so that Albertans can know how much is this gonna cost and is you know, 1.2 billion a year a good amount or a bad amount? Because unless you know what the real liability is, that's that's not enough information. You know, uh, okay, uh, that's fine. I think the AER should do that as well. Uh, but I think in the absence of that, because I, I a fair bet is the AER is not going to do that because it's never done it previously. In the absence of that, I think that they we need to assume the worst case scenario, not the best case scenario. And and I don't know why Albertans are not rioting in the streets about this, because if I hear if there's one thing I hear in Alberta all over the all over the province over and over again is, oh, my God, debt for our grandchildren. We're 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 mortgaging the future for our grandchildren. Boy, I'll tell you, three hundred billion dollars of environmental liabilities when you add the oil sands on top of conventional oil and gas. If that isn't a debt that mortgages uh, Alberta uh, 
grandchildren, uh, their mortgages, their future. I don't know what is. This is just so outrageous. Every time we have this conversation, Drew, uh, I get apoplectic because, you know, the, the, the problem, the, the issue is so outrageous and the response to it is so muted. Yeah. Um, and I would say from my, my general impression of talking to Albertans about it, and this maybe sounds dismal, is that I rarely find an Albertan who's surprised or shocked when I'll explain yeah. the details. A lot of people say, well, that's basically what I expected. People yeah, just that, yeah. kind of think that's how the Alberta government works and they don't think it can change. Yes. And, and you know what? Uh, the, the, the basic attitude of the Alberta government and the Alberta regulator, because there's been various iterations of the regulator, they've been, this is the game they've been playing for 100, over 100 years. Not, nothing's changed. Nothing, you know, all that's happened now is the chickens are coming home to roost. Now, not, not today, not in 2024 necessarily, but in the very near future, in my opinion. And, and when you, when you confront ingrained attitudes like that, uh, sort of ingrained narratives, you know, people don't want to accept, they don't want to accept the truth because the truth is, is too horrible to contemplate. It's a basically a bankrupt Alberta. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how much of that liability just gets left behind. And I don't know. I don't know how people will talk about this after it becomes fully. It, it stops being an open secret and becomes publicly acknowledged government information. Like how will how will people look back and understand what was happening between, I don't know, 2016 and 20. 27 or something when they'll be like well why weren't they doing anything about it why were they so lackadaisical when they when leaks from the government because it's a very leaky ship like a lot of stuff comes out about this problem pretty consistently every few months it's just not so little happens i don't know it's very hard to explain and understand even when i'm living through it I think until uh, somebody sets their hair on fire in front of the Calgary Petroleum Club that uh, nothing's going to happen. Uh, I just, I, I've, I'm very uh, discouraged by the response of Albertans, by the industry, by the government. Uh, everybody's cheerleading and and ignoring the, the reality. But anyway, we could rant all day long. There is, but instead, uh, rather than bore you listeners, uh, read part two of the Unethical Oil series. And uh, you can find other uh, podcasts, uh, uh, Energy Talks podcasts that uh, delve into some of these issues in some detail. And we'll leave it at that because I know, Drew, I'm going to be talking to you again, probably, you know, in a few weeks, in a few months. Uh, this is an ongoing uh, chronic problem. Yeah, yeah. There will be more like this and there will be more episodes where we'll be confused why so little is happening. <laughs> yes, we are confused on a regular basis. But, but thank you very much. Drew. really appreciate you uh, sharing this with us. All right. Take it easy. Thank you.